Hi everybody, we're in the first week of June. I'm Lynn Adolph. Welcome to Sam Sell Sells Real Estate. We're the fastest 20 minutes or so in real estate information, three days a week. We've been so busy and the podcast always goes last because we don't make any money, but we like spending time and doing it. We love giving information, but it's usually at the end of the totem pole. So sometimes we do go a couple of days without putting anything out there, but today we have Mike Jabel, who's a loan officer for Annie Mac. We're going to talk today about the 10 things you shouldn't do if you're planning on getting a mortgage loan. Tomorrow, we're going to have Johnny back to talk a little bit about the state of the state. And we're also going to have Matt Putnam talking about SBA loans. So we're on top of it. We're always not doing it exactly in the time frame. But this is not really a time-sensitive podcast. And because of that, it gives us a little more flexibility in the way that we can tape the shows and put them out there. It's not uncommon that many shows tape five shows at a time and then break it up one after the other after the other and do the taping in just one day. Remember, we're up there on Anchor. You can press the button. It will allow you to leave a audio message, audio question. We can put it out. We don't take advertising anymore. We're going right to today's guest. And today's guest, Mike Jable, is a loan officer with Annie Mac Home Mortgage in Fairfield, New Jersey. 36 years of experience as a mortgage lender, he specializes in conventional VA, FHA, renovation, and reverse mortgages. He is a married father of two daughters, lives in Bergen County, has been there his entire life. He is a diehard Oakland Raider fan. Maybe that's an indication of whether we should have him on the show or not. And an avid fan of horse racing, he believes, and, and I know Mike, and I know that this is very true of him, that the client comes first, and he takes great pride in educating the client on the mortgage process. Thousands of satisfied customers will attest to his knowledge and dedication to his craft. Michael, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Lenny. Glad to be here. Uh, we decided today's topic, you know, we get a lot of mortgage guys on because of my proximity to Annie Mac, plus being in the commercial mortgage business. Uh, I wanted to talk about things that you shouldn't do if uh, you intend on getting a mortgage. And we're going to call today's podcast, If You Don't Want to Get a Mortgage, Then Do Any One of These Ten Things. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll pay homage to a, uh, uh, this isn't, uh, neither Michael or I will take credit for the 10 commandments of buying a home, but, uh, I, we'll go through them one by one and, uh, Michael comment and probably tell you why, uh, it is a commandment. Number one, thou shall not change jobs, become self-employed or quit your job. So when applying for a mortgage, uh, all lenders do like to see a two year employment history. Uh, they do like to see you uh, on the same job and, and not changing a lot of jobs within that two two year period. But you know, once you have applied for the mortgage, it is uh, advantageous for you to stay with your current job uh, because we do require at least a thirty day period of pay stubs. So if you change job, that's that could slow up the process a little bit. And some people do want to quit their job and become self employed. Uh, that is a problem also because uh, in the mortgage lending business, we want two years of self-employed income to qualify you for the mortgage. So if you can now, hold Michael, on for you're, a, you're yep. being very nice. When you say uh, could cause a problem, you mean... Will cause a problem. It will cause there a you problem, Len. Yes, okay. it'll cause a problem. And, you know, if you can hang on for a couple months with that job before you think... 
think about being self-employed, that might be the way for you to go. Number two, thou shall not buy a car, truck, or van. Here it says, or you may be living in it, with exclamation points. (laughs) You know, we qualify buyers right at the start with their income and their assets and their monthly obligations. Um, Any large purchases that are done during the transaction could affect your income to debt ratios, which could affect your credit scores. And both of those items are very important when applying for a mortgage. So, if you, again, if you can avoid buying that car, truck, or van uh, until after closing, uh, again, uh, you know, could change your credit score. And adding another monthly obligation will definitely uh, change your income to debt ratios. I gather that this one would uh, fall concurrently along with that. Thou shall not use credit cards excessively or let current accounts fall behind. Correct. You always want to remain current on all of your monthly obligation, car loans, student loans, credit card debt, any personal loans that you have. Uh, and you do not want to use your credit cards in excess, buying large amounts of, of home items that you might need for your new home. Again. That will change your debt-to-income ratio and could affect your credit scores. And credit scores now are one of the most important factors when obtaining a mortgage. Uh, The higher your credit score, the more comfortable the lender is going to feel in uh, letting you borrow that money. Now, this raises an interesting question, Michael, which is, how close to closing or funding of the loan are these things checked? Obviously, we're talking about things that they shouldn't do. Uh, I mean, who's the policeman here? Is the lender looking right up to the last minute to make sure they haven't done any of these things? Well, no. If we don't need to run another credit check on the borrower prior to closing, we do not. So we are using a credit report that we possibly could have ran 30, 60 days prior to. Okay. Um, You know, so... But if for some reason a new credit report needs to be run, something was misspelled, maybe a birth date was incorrect, a social security number wasn't right, you know, if our underwriter picks that up and we have to rerun a credit report, new debts and obligations will definitely show up on their credit reports. Talk, talk a little bit since you raised the the the, uh, the uh, uh, word uh, underwriting that all of this is ultimately what affects the underwriting process. Maybe just talk a little bit about that. Sure. I mean, an underwriter is the ultimate decision maker on the transaction, and they take into consideration all of these things. Again, income, assets, credit score, uh, amount of reserves that you have after closing, how long you've been employed on your job. So she or he is actually the ultimate decision maker. So the stronger that we can make your loan application be during the transaction, the stronger and the more comfortable an underwriter will feel in approving that mortgage. It is a process nowadays. It's not like uh, years ago where we uh, omitted a lot of things from files or, or, or weren't responsible of gaining some information. The process of getting a loan application or a loan now from a mortgage company is quite extent. Um, if you educate your borrowers up front and let them know exactly what the process is going to be and what you expect from them as an applicant and tell them 
what they can expect from you as a loan officer. Communication between you and your borrowers from start to finish is the number one priority in all of these transactions. Now, you talk about underwriting. These people also have their own obligations and criteria that they have to follow in whether or not they approve the loan. I'm correct, correct in that? Cor- right. Correct. Most lending institutions are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac lenders, which means that um, if, if the loan will be sold, it needs to be um, a, a Fannie Mae or a Freddie Mac purchasable loan. So they have guidelines that they have to adhere to in order for that loan to be saleable. Um, Some loans are retained by some of the lenders and kept in a portfolio. And Annie Mac, I'm sure, has some layovers on top of the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac underwriting that they will feel more comfortable with with the file. So, yes, the underwriters do have underwriting manuals and do have uh, lender manuals that they need to adhere by. Everybody's got obligations that they have to follow. It's not oftentimes just simply off the cuff or uh, begging because uh, your mother-in-law is going to be homeless or something. Along. Correct. Correct. Number four, thou shall not spend money you have set aside for closing. That seems pretty uh, understandable. Pretty self-explanatory. I mean, if you make it a down payment and your loan officer gives you an estimate of what he believes your closing costs are going to be. I always like to estimate a little higher with closing costs and and inform the client that closing costs are not going to be this, but I like to overestimate in case there's a charge there at the end that we might not have thought of, uh, maybe a reinspection fee or some kind of fee in there that we weren't planning on. I like to overestimate closing costs, but yeah, um, after they leave their application with me, I have given them a good idea of what they need for down payment closing costs, and I do advise them to please do not touch that money. Leave it in the bank. Don't change accounts with it. Don't open up any new accounts. Leave it all where it can be verified. Uh, Before we go take a quick break to uh, do the tip of the day, let's do number five. This is my favorite, man. I'm going to phrase it two ways. The first, thou shall not omit debts or liabilities from your loan application. I would prefer to say, don't you dare lie to your loan officer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's an honest mistake that they omit debts. Um, you know, they, they might have a 401k loan that comes out of their pay stub that they might not have remembered that they have a loan because they don't have to make a monthly payment on it. So something coming out of their pay stub, a pension loan, a 401k loan. But basically, we are going to find out what all of your debts are when we run a credit report. So it is kind of uh, fruitful for everyone during the process to be upfront and honest with your loan officer right from the start. Great stuff, Michael. Let's take a real quick break. Uh, We're going to do tip of the day. We'll be right back. Everybody, here's your tip of the day. The information that we're giving you today is incredibly valuable, sometimes more so than most of the podcasts that we do. This is a blueprint for you to follow when you want to get a mortgage loan and buy a house. These 10 rules, you follow them, you will get your house. I can't stress it enough, and neither can Mike Jabe. That's our tip of the day.
what you're hearing here. And uh, if you're planning on buying a house, uh, these are definitely 10 things you do not want to do and will absolutely impact your ability to get a mortgage. Let's go to number six. Thou shall not buy furniture. <laughs> Again, that goes along with uh, not using your credit cards excessively after application. Um, I, I just closed a loan last month to first-time home buyers that just kept asking me and asking me, Mike, when do you think it's okay that we do go out and buy our furniture? And I said to them, hey, listen, again, we can run a credit report at any time up until, you know, the day of closing, uh, you know, for as long as you can hold out with buying that furniture, we don't want to change your loan application in any way. We don't have to want to go ha back into underwriting if we've already received a clear to close. Absolutely. So, yeah, any large purchases, furniture, anything, central air conditioning, anything. Well, central air would be after closing. So, but sure. any large purchase, purchases should be avoided prior to closing. Uh, number seven is kind of interesting because it raises kind of uh, two questions. It says, thou shall not originate any inquiries into your credit. And, and I would ask you to kind of talk about how an inquiry impacts your credit and, you know, the belief by many people of, you know, having your uh, your credit hit and, and lowering your score. You know, talk a little bit about it. Well, when people are originally shopping for a mortgage, uh, we might see on their credit report that they have requested that some lenders, you know, two or three lenders have requested credit inquiries into their credit report. Um, this can impact your credit score by up to seven points per inquiry if you have a lot of them within a 30-day period. So you might not want to again, inquire about any new credit during the application process because, again, that could lower credit scores, which impacts underwriting, which impacts the approval process. It's kind of amazing, so, Michael, that a couple of points can make so much of a difference, but it does. It most certainly does, Len. I mean, uh, the difference between a 610 FICO score and a 640 FICO score when it comes to rates and processing and loan products that are available to the borrower, uh, it, uh, those points are, are definitely important. Number eight, thou shall not make large deposits without checking with Michael. Yeah, this is, this is something that, you know, hey, mom and dad want to give you seven, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars towards the purchase or maybe help cover closing costs. Uh, I mean, that could be a gift. I mean, we just don't want to plop that into your bank account. We are going to question where any large deposits come from. We will need to document where the large deposits come from. Um, if someone wants to give you a gift, you know, we trace that gift from inception, from the right, writing of the initial check to depositing into your account to verifying that those funds actually came out of the account that from the person that gave you the gift. Well, let me so say no, this, Michael. No. I, let me say this. Number one, I, I think we should indicate that getting a gift is not such a bad thing. But what we would oh, advocate... Absolutely not. Right, but what we would advocate is that they disclose that to you up front because many times they're going to tell you that the proceeds that they're using to put the down payment are gift proceeds. Again, not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it, it's great that you're getting the gift, but if you're going to disclose it, it should be 
disclosed immediately up front and not wait until the application has been filed to do it in the middle of the transaction. Correct. Uh, I agree 100%. And again, it's back to trust your loan officer, have an open channel of communication, be upfront and honest with them up front, uh, and they can help with any kind of situation that you might have. Uh, no, getting a gift is an absolute, you know, I- I'm going to say gift from anyone who wants to give you any type of money to help you with down payment or closing costs. Absolutely. Two more. Nine, thou shall not change bank accounts. Rationale for that. Uh, uh, rationale for that is, again, closing out the one account, opening it with a new account, making sure that it's the same dollar amount that you withdrew from an other bank account to a brand new bank account. Again, it just kind of adds more paperwork, more uh, why did you do that, a couple more questions being added on why did you change bank accounts midstream. It just makes us, you know, more paperwork, more more of during the process of the application. So, it, again, if you can keep your bank accounts the same for 60 to 90 days and then change them after closing, that would be the advice that I would give a client. And finally, number 10, uh, if you're in this position to be able to do this, then uh, you shouldn't have any trouble getting a loan. So hopefully you don't do this, which is thou shall not co-sign a loan for anyone. Correct. Um, you know, a, a co-sign loan where you are uh, equally responsible for that loan for and for the person that you co-signed for, um, if you're a, a, a co-signer on that loan, again, that adds another monthly obligation to the transaction. Supposing, suppo- you know, hopefully that the person that you co-signed for will be paying that obligation on time or that affects your credit report, again, which affects your credit score. Uh, if you can avoid it, again, co-signing for a car loan or co-signing for a, a home or something during our process, it, it would be advantageous for you again to wait until after the process was over. Hey, great stuff, Michael. Uh, why don't we get it? Give me a summation on uh, what not to do. And uh, we believe in shameless plugs here. So, uh, you know, give yourself a shameless plug. Well, you know, I'm a loan officer in the business for 36 years. I've enjoyed my time in the business here. I enjoy speaking with people. I love, I absolutely love first-time home buyers. Uh, they don't, they don't know a lot, and I love the thousand questions that they're going to ask you during the process. I feel an educated borrower, right from the start, is a borrower that's going to understand the process and help be, help you become successful in obtaining the mortgage loan. But yes, don't change jobs. Don't change bank accounts. Try not to overcharge on credit cards. Do not go out and get any car loans, boat loans, or anything else. Um, if people want to give you money, don't put it in the bank prior to speaking with a loan officer. We can teach you how to get that money. Um, you know, just keep your slate clean. Uh, you know, and it's not something that is really tough to ask for for 60 days. So the average real estate closing takes 45 to 60 days. So we're not asking you to do this, you know, forever. But I love speaking to first time home buyers six to eight months outside of them 
actually going out to look for a home because I can use these 10 steps and tell them, hey, listen, this is what we got to do now right. for the next couple of months so you're mortgage worthy. Very good. Hey, Mike, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Folks, just so you know, I mean, Mike knew I was doing a podcast and actually had had broadcasting experience back in uh, college in his early days and uh, was thrilled at the prospect. It was great, Mike. You know, I don't think there's any question that people can attest to your knowledge and dedication to your craft after uh, listening to this podcast. I really appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us. Lenny, anytime. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Well, we've reached the end. My thanks go out to Mike Jable. He did a great job. I, I can't tell you, out of 22 podcasts, this is one of the best ones we've done. Uh, the information from here is uh, well worth the price of admission, which is zero. Uh, my thanks go out to Johnny Gaggis of Annie Mac Mortgage. Thanks, Johnny. We couldn't do this podcast without you. Johnny Samsel, Jen D'Elia, John Gerhardt's Biomedia. My boys, Max and Noe, hope you're all doing good. I love you both. Maynard Ferguson, Birdman, and to you, our listeners. Of course, we're nothing without you. We're here for you. We're here to help you. You can download Sam Sell Sells Real Estate, make it a favorite, over nine platforms, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Don't you miss us tomorrow. We're going to have Johnny Sam Sell talk about the state of the state of the affairs of the country in terms of real estate. And we're also going to have Matt Putnam talk about SBA. You know, uh, that's the one that's headed by uh, the head of the WWE, Linda McMahon. How do I know that? Shows you where my mentality level is. We're going to do all that tomorrow. Don't you dare miss us. We'll be back. Have a great day, everybody.